This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Friedman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. Project, welcome back to this episode of the Thursday Show. Like you know, on these Thursday shows, guys, I feel like I want to give you a little bit more of, of what we do. On Thursday shows, we introduce you to training topics, single training topics, in which obviously, according to this title, we're going to be talking about fat loss for athletes, but we'll always have on Thursday, guys, a training show where you guys can educate yourself. So if you love it, all we ask is that you share it to other people or you know, if you love what we talk about, you know, invest in some of the training programs that we offer. So today, guys, we are going to be talking about the fat loss realm and fat loss for athletes, which is a little bit different for Gen Pop, but as you'll see, there'll be many crossovers and we want to talk in detail about all these points. Before we jump into it, guys, starting in April, we are doing for the project programs. If you've done one before, you'll know that there is a phase two after the initial phase one, eight-week phase one. So if you want to do any of the phase two programs, maybe you've done a phase one before, and you took a break and, you, and you're deciding you want to get into phase two or maybe you really like phase one, you want to go straight into phase two, you might be doing phase one now and you go, oh, I'm ready to phase two next. Great news for you. Uh, we have got 30% off. Maybe you want to skip phase one. Maybe you're like, you know what? It's probably a little bit basic. It's not. It'll challenge you but maybe you just want to go into phase two. Phase two is a 12-week program so it's a little bit longer because uh, you've established more of a base in phase one. I'd recommend not skipping it, but maybe for some of you guys, you're like, no, I want to jump in the deep end a little bit more, a bit more advanced. I want to look at phase two and I want to do 12 weeks. We have 30% off all the phase two programmings for strong fitness and body. So you guys can check it out at themymuscleproject.com slash phase two. That's P-H-A-S-E and then the number two. So again, our website slash phase two where you can get that discount. So just click any of them. You don't need a code or anything. They'll automatically be 30% off for April only. And then of course, guys, supporting the show as well, all the training stuff that we do, we use the Whoop Band. Every single client at Locker Room is using a Whoop Band. We're tracking their biometric data. We're looking at their sleep. We're looking at their recovery. We're making adjustments to their training program based off their intensity levels, based off their volume levels, based off how well they're recovering. And we're doing it with ourselves as well. So we haven't taken this off. It's nearly been 24 months now. I think we're at maybe month 20 or 21. Um, and that's just because it's so valuable, guys. We've only used these, uh, sorry, we've only used these straps for so long because they provide so much value in our life. And that is huge. To put something on our wrist for this amount of time, it means a lot. It truly means a lot. And we think you should definitely make the investment as well. If you're not tracking on the Whoop, it's super affordable. Even with our discount, even without our discount code, it's super affordable. Make sure you check it out, themymuscleproject.com slash whoop. You can learn all about the world's most advanced training technology that you can wear on your wrist. Okay, Raf, kick us off. Fat loss for athletes. So it's an interesting topic because I think it's very different to fat loss for the regular person and where people get into trouble is they try and do what the what average people do for fat loss. So like, oh, I got this friend. He was like 130 kilos. He lost like 40, 50 kilos of fat. I've got like three kilos to lose and I'm like a high level athlete. I'm going to do the same diet as him. Yeah. You know, he did like this low carb diet. That's going to be perfect for me. Fucking yeah. not perfect. Yeah. Couldn't be more different if that's where you get information from. Just because it looks dramatic, it doesn't really keep working. Like things change um, as your goals change and, and, and where your body composition is already at really starts to change. So um, really where we're going to start this is you got to think about your training demands, which I'm assuming are far higher than the average person and how you're going to go and balance that with your intake of food. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that before we d- we dive into all this stuff, you know, the real thing you've got to realize about this is 
Are you in it to be an athlete or are you in it to look good? Because sometimes these two things... I want to be a good-looking athlete. <laughs> you can, right? But sometimes these worlds will clash. Sometimes there will be moments where it's like, hey, you actually need to get a bit fatter here. Or, hey, you, you know, you're not going to be super lean because like being super lean is not optimal for you, right? Like look at Matt Fraser. Obviously, dude's jacked, dude's lean, but he's not as shredded as like Rich Phoney. And if he tried to get as shredded, shredded as Rich Phoney, they might cause him some issues. He yeah, might get a drop in performance. You can't just look at the best in the sport and be like, okay, that's the level you want to be at. Exactly. You're different. Yeah. Getting leaner is not always better for your sport. So I think it's important to remember that as a high-level athlete, and maybe we should classify a high-level athlete because maybe some people think it's like, well, you know, I train 10 sessions a week. Like, am I a high-level athlete? I think athlete really for me is anyone in a competition. Yeah. If you're in competitions and that's more important than how you look, which it fucking probably should be if you're in a competition seriously. Yeah, I just want to come last but be the most shredded. <laughs> If then and then, probably not. But yeah, if you're in competitions and that's more important than looking good, then you're an athlete. Yeah, and I'm just, I think for this conversation as well, guys, we're going to disclude bodybuilding. Because bodybuilding, yeah. look, I would say is probably a sport as well. But that, I mean, being shredded is the most important thing. And then it, that correlates to being that's the, the best athlete. the only sport. <laughs> yeah. So for this conversation, we're just going to leave that out. So we're talking about, you know, ball sports, racket sports, bat sports, all that yeah, sort even of stuff. Pal- even barbell sports. Yeah, barbell sports as well. So all this sort of stuff. Um, okay. Now, High-level athlete, are we going to make a distinction there? No, it's more of the same. Yeah. Well, well, hold on. So, if you're a recreational Sunday athlete playing basketball... Oh, okay. No, I'm not... I, that's not really what I'm thinking about here. Okay, so what think do you about Think about someone here that's taking it so seriously that they actually want to consider fat loss, but they're still in like a proper competition phase. They've got off-seasons. Yeah. Being an athlete, like their performance is very important to them. Don't uh, need to be yeah. high level, but it needs to be important to them. Yeah, I still think we should get maybe a bit clearer on the distinction. I would say that the training that you do for this sport one can earn you money i think that's important so it's not social so there is either you're going to win money at competitions money is on the line or you there's high level amateur sport yeah i can take it seriously yeah yeah. so that's okay so that's point number one i would say that's that's Mm. part of it but remember high level amateur sport can lead into most people do high level amateur sport because they're trying to break into professional sport as well yeah wouldn't you agree yeah some people do it for love like yeah i know yeah but they're at a point where if they push it harder, they. I guess you could say that they're at the level at which they could consider getting paid for the sport. That's probably what it is. Because I'm thinking like, okay, someone's an amateur boxer. You know, we met an amateur boxer today. Yeah, he's amateur. He likes fighting. Mm. It's good. I wouldn't say he's like a high-level athlete. But then there's like the amateur who's like, man, if you just like, you know, took a little bit more seriously, yeah. did this, did have, had a few more fights under your belt, you know, you'd be in the professional ranks fighting for money. So I'd say someone who's kind of in that zone or obviously already getting paid, and I would say second thing is probably someone where the training that they have to do to maintain or achieve whatever they want to achieve is impacting and requires sacrifice in multiple other areas in their life. So what I mean by that is like, I wouldn't really call you a high-level athlete if you're like, I go out three times a week and booze mm-hmm. on the weekend, but I train seven days a week. I'm like, well, are you that high-level because you're not taking it that seriously because obviously with everything in the discussion today, mm-hmm. that would conflict, but... No, I think that you're making other sacrifices in your life. You're not going out to social events, you know, skipping certain foods, all that. It's going to tie into it, right? But I feel like that's really what mm. we're talking about here. But I still think, yeah, even even if you're not high level now, but you just want to be an athlete, you're still going to get takeaways from this that you can apply. Of course, of course. But the we just very principles. we very rarely mm. do something for the high level mm. guys on this podcast. So first thing, like you said, balancing the demands of training with your intake. Really all that is, I think, is eating to optimize for your performance. And that requires a lot of experimentation. But ultimately, 
I think it really just comes down to eating as much as you possibly can without negatively impacting your performance because more yeah. fuel is always better. That, that's always the key. People say like, oh, I'm doing CrossFit. Seriously, how much do I eat? As much as possible <laughs> until your fat gain is negatively impacting your performance. Everything more is better because there's re- more resources to recover. Yeah. So it's literally as much as you can until it's getting worse. Yeah. Training hard is a stress on the body and the ways that you can Im- uh, counteract and recover from stress is one, sleep, two, hydration, and three, calories. So if you're doing well for sleep, if you're doing well for, um, what was that thing I said? <laughs> hydration. Hydration. So, yeah. Sorry, hydration. And if you're not maxing out your calories, you need to keep pushing the calories up. I think a lot of athletes are still under eating. They think they're eating most, a lot. Definitely. They most. still they think they're eating a lot, but I'm like, there's still five, six hundred calories of fuel here that maybe you're not putting it into your training directly. So it's not like, oh, you know, you can add more carbs. It's like, dude, I'm smashing carbs around training. I'm having Gatorade powder and I'm, you know, eating heaps of, you know, having a massive shake afterwards. I'm like, okay, but yeah, what are you doing at night though? Mm. Are you like your dinner could be have an extra five, six hundred calories with it? That's going to help you recover faster. So it's not just the calories around the training, which obviously matter, but it's also the calories outside of training, which make a big difference as well. So really pushing that up without that weight gain. Is yeah, important. I remember even recently I was listening to the Matt Fraser podcast on Joe Rogan. He was like, I had to force feed myself breakfast every day. Mm. Every day, force feeding. I hate, it. I hate it every day. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's athlete life. Yeah, most athletes, we force fed ourselves mm. as athletes. I'd say in the beginning though, because we couldn't afford a lot of food, we didn't eat enough Yeah, and we weren't recovering well from the training. But as we moved into the, we got more educated, mm. you know, the nutrition improved in po- uh, and we had a bit more money to spend on food. You know, we... We consumed a lot of yeah. food. We ate a lot of food. And it made, made a big difference. Definitely helps your recovery. If you recovery. do an unnatural amount of training, don't expect to not have to eat an unnatural <laughs> amount of food. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so talking about fat loss principles. Now, these just apply regardless of, you know, if you're a high-level athlete, if you're, you know, a mom, a grandma, you're just getting off the couch for the first time. You're, you got to, if you want to lose weight, there is this, you know, delicate balance of, okay, I need to eat a little bit less. I need to be in a deficit, which means your training is going to take a little dip, which means timing of the in-season versus off-season versus competition is going to be critical here, which means kind of going into the last point, which we can go into in more detail. If you're going to lose fat, so if you're going to lean out, you will need to train more or eat less in order to lose that body fat. That's as simple as it is. You're not going to keep shoving all these calories into the machine being in this training surplus and recovering really well and just losing body fat as you go. No, you're not defying any laws here. There's nothing mm. special about being a great athlete here. The rules are the rules. The principles are the principles. You will not break these laws. You have to be in a deficit, which means your performance is going to drop. So you just have to be careful when you do fat loss. Now, a big reduction in calories means a big reduction in performance and recovery. So all I would suggest is that when we move into a fat loss phase, it's a very slow, gradual fat loss phase built in with a lot of maintenance phases. Like if you're going to get someone leaner for a CrossFit season, for example, you've got a full year cycle in a CrossFit season, say the Open is their main event, you would start the fat loss phase like pretty much as soon as the Open finishes before you get into the hard training for the next year. And you do a lot of like low impact training, if anything. And then that would start to cut the weight down. You cut it as low as you want and then you move into a maintenance phase. Then you start building the performance back up. That's how I would do it. Exactly. And I think... What's really important is how you want to be, and this this is why it takes discipline year round. Is that you want if you're talking about your off season, your in season, and the deficit, you don't want the deficit to be too big. 
you can't be too far away from where you want to be because you don't want to have to lose too much fat. Yeah. There's a limit here. So you want to obviously have a bit more fat in the off-season compared to the in-season, but it needs to be a small amount that you can have like a pretty short deficit and then it's not too aggressive and you can get to where you want to be. Yeah. You can't spend part of the year like way too far away because no. it's going to impact your training too much. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the only way you're going to do it is with a calorie deficit. I guess what's probably different to a non-athlete, with a non-athlete, you could say, oh, you can get this deficit any way you want. So you can do like a low-carb diet or maybe a low-fat diet, whatever's going to work for you. I think with an athlete, you probably can't because yeah. you probably still need your carbs if you're going to be training. Yeah. Right? If you're an athlete that needs carbs, you can't be like, oh, this low-fat works well for me. Yeah. No, not going to work. Or even, I don't know, if you're going to do intermittent fasting, probably not going to work for you because you need like the food around your training and stuff. Yeah. So your options are way more limited. Obviously, you still need a deficit, but how are you going to get there? You can't use all the options a non-athlete can use. Yeah. And that, I think that that window in which you're going to lose or make any significant body change, body composition change, it does happen in a relatively compressed time window. So even though I said you want to take your time with it, you're probably only going to give yourself realistically in a you know a yearly season only six to eight weeks yeah. to make a change, right? That's like when most guys like going into like the season or going out of camp or in camp or whatever, that's, that's when you takes. see the big changes, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, he's coming in lighter this season mm. and then nothing changes, right? And it's like, you know, the changes are going to be made in a short period of time, very intensely outside the season where the performance is not critical. And that's where you're going to have this body composition shift. But when guys are going into competition, like you used to see it all the time in CrossFit, right? Guys are coming into the competition season like, oh, I need to get leaner, I need to get leaner. So as their training intensity and volume is ramping up, they start going into a deficit. And now I'm just like, you're putting yourself in the worst position worst possible. Position. Way worse than too late to get lean now. That should have happened months ago. You know, you missed that opportunity. Now you're all about fueling performance. So don't want to miss that critical window where the performance it's really when the performance matters the least is when you're going yeah. to make that that deficit to change that body composition so the next point this kind of leads into is you got to have a think about what the ideal body composition is for you in your sport and it's going to be different for everybody just because the top in your sport looks different because it takes everybody a different amount of sacrifice and calorie deficit to get to a certain body fat you got to find what's going to be right for you uh, and it might surprise you what is going to be the right body fat for the sport you know if it's a contact sport Usually most athletes, even though maybe they can set better times and different stuff like that, a bit more body fat can just protect you from injury. Yeah. Right? So it's like something you want to take. Okay, you need that body fat. It's going to protect me there. Might slow me down, but it's going to be worth it. But maybe if it's like a real relative body sport and it's really just dead weight, it's like, okay, I've got to be so lean for this that maybe my training sucks going into it, but just being lighter is going to be better. Maybe in like rock climbing or something. Yeah, gymnastics. It's like, yeah, it's like genuinely you just need to be to the fucking bone. Yeah. That's how it is, yeah. you know? So you got to really have a think about that. And then what you don't want to do is just be in a sport that's a contact sport where it doesn't really matter and then try and be super shredded. Yeah. But that's really where it gets stupid. Yeah. I think what's what's going on here is a lot of people just look to the best athletes in their sport and usually they're the tip of the spear genetics. So usually they're pretty lean, mm. right? It's very rare to find like the best athlete in the world at their sport and it's like they don't have a quite a lean physique. So most people start shooting for that, which is not always ideal for what they need, right? Um, but at the same time, generally, you know, you're not going to be too fat going into it. It really does depend on the sport, but most high-level athletes are relatively lean. Like, if you think about there's very few sports where you could say, oh, it's actually beneficial to be fat. You Sumo know? wrestling. Yeah. I think like football and rugby, you get like some positions where they can carry a lot of fat. Yeah. But not most, you know. Like, even now, if you look at the UFC heavyweight division, a lot of the guys, they... A lot of the guys that started in the sport, in the heavyweight division, they were like fat guys, mm. right? They just like didn't want to like cut weight. 
right? Or they're just bigger dudes. But now a lot of the guys are coming in, they're like, nah, they're like ex-NFL athletes, right? So they have a little bit of body fat, but now they're getting a bit leaner. They just got heaps of muscle. Even though you can be any way you want. Exactly. So it's like now they're choosing like the best guy in the sport. He's actually really light for the division, but he's a lot leaner. Mm. So generally, in most cases, it's better to... I mean, body fat is... You know, you need it. It's essential. But there's like... There really is kind of a general threshold for a lot of people around that sort of 12 to 15, 16% mark where it's like this is... Anything above this is like really not that beneficial. Mm. You know what I mean? Like even you hear a lot of the guys in the sport talk about like yeah i'll carry a little bit of extra body fat outside of the season but not too much because even just that little bit that you don't need it does impact yeah. performance negatively so you do want to stay always i think year round relatively lean or as lean as as you can get and when raf's saying yeah having a bit more fat for contact he's not saying a lot like it's not, it's not saying add 20 percent body fat add 10 percent body fat no it's just like a little bit more maybe five percent more you know to have that performance but so yeah if you I mean if you tend to be on the kind of fatter side of things and you're an athlete, it can seriously improve how good you are as an athlete if you can once and for all get down to a good body fat level, particularly if it's a relative body weight sport. I've seen this before, like it can it can be a huge game changer for how successful you are as an athlete. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of a recent example where like someone got a lot leaner. I guess one of the sports yeah always comes to mind is UFC because you always see their bodies, right? Because mm. they come out and like they take their shirts off and stuff. But almost always when a guy puts on weight like usually when guys are going up a weight division, their performance is, unless they're like really struggling to make the weight, they're like, it's way too, it's like, no, no, you need to be in a weight class above you. You're cutting too much weight. Besides those guys, guys that like move up a division just because they're like, oh, you know, not really keen to be that strict on the diet year round anymore. They always go worse. Their yeah. performance is worse. They're less fit. They might be a little bit stronger, but that's only because they're heavier. But generally, all that excess body fat that they've had on when they're used to being so lean, they're just not as good. They're just not as athletic. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very, it's almost, in, I've almost never seen it where guys put on body fat and their, their performance improves dramatically. Yeah. It almost always goes the other way. Yeah. That's why you need the discipline and you need to get there once and for all. Uh, and the last point here really is just fueling for competition. So when you're fueling for competition, this cannot be a time really where you're trying to lose fat. Yeah. It's just the two are not compatible here because you want to be making, if you fuel for a competition and to recover from it, particularly if it's you know a quick turnaround to the next one, you need to give yourself all the resources possible. If you are trying to lose fat at the same time, by definition, you're not giving yourself all the resources possible to recover. So now is like just really not the time. Yeah. I was just thinking before as well, like almost never do you hear someone's like, oh, he's too lean. That almost, it's rare. It does happen. But it's a but lot it's rare. rare. It's very it's rare. rare. It's very rare. So you almost, if you're just erring on the side of like just training and getting leaner, you're not really going to be in too much trouble as long as it doesn't impact performance, right? Exactly. Coming in lean. But what you find sometimes is that, yeah, an athlete can be under-eating for a while as an athlete, but they still carry some body fat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, to kind of round out your last point, feeling for competition, that competition window, I'd say, is like you're really looking at sort of that four to six weeks, even eight weeks, you know, out from the competition day. And at that point, Everything is about performance. Nothing should be about comp- body composition, really. Um, yeah, you're kind of at the weight you need to compete at and you're just about recovery and peaking. And that requires calories. That requires lots of calories. So, And it's all tied into recovery. So, yeah, if, you, if you're really taking that to the next level in terms of optimizing for competition, what you'll find is the prescription is, unless obviously you're cutting weight for like a weight sport, the prescription is always just eat. eat. Like eat as much food as possible, uh, ramp it up. Um, 
be a hungry person. So there you have it, guys. That is everything. So we'll go through it again. So we've got the balancing. Well, first of all, you need to ask yourself, why am I in the sport? Am I doing this to look like an athlete or am I, um, am I actually an athlete? And are you a high-level athlete? How much of this applies to you? Second thing is obviously you've got to balance the demands of your training with how much you're taking in. Next one would be the fat loss principles. They all apply to everyone, whether you're a high-level athlete or whether you're exercising for the first time. You cannot defy those laws. The second, sorry, the third thing would be uh, what is your ideal body composition for the sport? The fourth thing is going to be like you're on and in season and picking the window of when you want to lose this fat, making sure you do it at the right time and then finding fueling for competition. You know, you cannot lose fat when you're starting to fuel for competition. It's just like Raf said, they're completely incompatible. So that's everything for fat loss for athletes, guys. We appreciate your time as always. Remember for this month, we are doing the phase two of all our programs. So the initial phase of Project Strong Body and Fitness is an eight-week program. And for those of you that make it through that, slightly more advanced, ready for the next stage, we've got a 12-week program. So in that 12-week program, uh, is our phase two of all those programs. They're 30% off for the month of April. So you can check it out at themymuscleproject.com slash phase two. That's P-H-A-S-E and the number two. So our website slash two where you can check out that discount. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We'll speak to you all soon. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of the My Muscle Project. Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, The My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to themymuscleproject.com forward slash The After Show. And if you ask a question, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.